0: Thanks. Thanks, guys. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm, I'm Father Daniel Waterman. I'm a retired military chaplain. I'm an occasional substitute teacher up here, so that Father's Morgan and Ryan <laughs> allow me to come up here every now and again, and for that I am eternally grateful. On this uh, 27th of August, which is uh, also Saint Monica's Day, uh, so I, uh, you know, we pray each week that we. Uh, my wife is Saint Monica fan. Uh, we, we pray each week that uh, you know that we that we follow the good examples of uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary and all the saints. Well, one of all those saints is Saint Monica, uh, who prayed for decades for a wayward, very wicked son uh, who eventually became Saint Augustine. So. I think as I'm going to talk this morning about the, about the mysteries of Christian faith, uh, one of those is our prayer, and uh, you may think your kids are a wreck or a mess and are never going to get there, uh, but I encourage you to look to the good example of St. Monica, who encourages us to stay with it, because you never know, you may have a St. Augustine on your hands. I don't know. So, you guys are looking at your kids like, yeah, <laughs> all, right, so, all right, so this morning we're going to continue our summer journey through the Book of Romans, and... Uh, uh, this is one that the late uh, Presbyterian minister James Montgomery Boyce preached through for 16 years uh, six, one, one year for each chapter, uh, this is one of the reasons I left the Presbyterian church, I'm just kidding <laughs> but, uh, so it's uh, in, 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 in all honesty this book is rich, it's so, it's deep there's so many depths to it that 16 years wouldn't be enough, that said there are other parts of the Bible we can get to after this I'm mm-hmm. sure so um, you know and Because of its complexity, uh, Christians throughout history have disagreed on interpretations of a lot of the way that it's read. And uh, today's passage is one of those sections. Uh, Today we're going to talk about what it means when something is a Christian mystery. What it means when it's something that we don't entirely understand, what we're supposed to do with that. And St. Paul gives us a real banger of a mystery here today uh, that we'll get to shortly. So uh, Paul says right away in verse 25, he says, I don't want you to be unaware of this mystery. We'll be unaware of this mystery. What does mystery mean? What does that word mean? That's part of the problem. In English, it means lots of different things that it doesn't necessarily mean here. And it's important that we don't impose our understanding of a derivative of a Greek or a Hebrew or a Latin word back on the word itself. The worst example of this ever is the, is the word dunamis, right? Okay, dunamis means power in, in, in Koine Greek, Greek, right? What does it remind us of? Dynamite. dynamite, right. It doesn't mean dynamite. That's, that's something we took from the word and put it back. And so, so it's important not to do that. And I want to make sure we understand what we're talking about when we're talking about mystery here. We, we think about it as a, as a riddle or a puzzle. If my mother were here all of her long life she read mystery books where, where a detective solves something at the end of it. He comes to the end of it and, he, and, and the butler did it or whatever, whoever was, whatever happened. But none of these definitions are, describe what a Christian mystery is. I think the best definition that I've seen is by the late Roman Catholic scholar Joseph Fitzmaier. He said a Christian mystery is A secret knowledge about a decision hidden in God from of old, now revealed in and through Jesus Christ for the salvation of all humanity. It is an unfolding manifestation of God's eschatological activity. I promise you I'm not going to talk about eschatological activity, (laughs) but I do want you to understand that it's an unfolding. It's something that's unfolded over time. So let's look at it this way. The kingdom of God is here, right? It's already, but not yet. It's been established, been fully established, but we haven't come into its full manifestation as of yet. There are things about it that we don't understand. There are things that we don't grasp about the kingdom of God, how it's all going to look. I don't like what heaven looks like and what, you know, what full justice is going to look like, what it's going to be to stand in the presence of a holy God. All of those things are mysteries to us. But before we get too wrapped around the mystery, I want us to understand that we have all that we need to serve and walk with Jesus today. There, there, there is no mystery knowledge about how to be a Christian today. All right. So, this, this, do you guys get this? I want you to go with me on this because so often I was in a used bookstore the other day, which was mostly terrible, but uh, there were all these books that were all about the things that the things you didn't know about X. You know, there are things you, you you never knew about the Dead Sea Scrolls, and the things you never knew about that, and the other thing. Uh, my argument is, is: think of all the things that you could know that you that you don't know already, and then when you've accomplished all of that, then go back and find the little bitty thing that might be that might, might be a piece on the side. So I, I, you know, I think this is important to focus on before we really dig into this. Everything the law and prophets of the Old Testament said about Jesus came true. Everything came together, everything came together just as God promised. Right? Jesus is the answer to the question of how God the Father meant before the creation and fall to redeem humanity and set right a broken world. There is no mystery to St. Paul about Christ one or Christ one holy Catholic and Apostolic Church about what we must do to be saved. John 3.16, For God still so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. Romans 10.9, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you're saying, well, great, I believe that. But if by belief you mean only acknowledge and St. James says, even the demons acknowledge and they shudder, even they believe. So what it means to believe in Jesus is a mystery. No, it isn't, because in John 14, 15, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Aha, so God's commandments are a mystery. Nope. Matthew 22, 37 through 39, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, so I have to love my neighbor. So the mystery is I'm not exactly sure how many soup kitchens that I need to work into to assure myself of my salvation. Once again, not a mystery. Ephesians 2.9, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works. Well, this is even better. I don't have to do anything. I can just sit around and read books and think deep thoughts about theology, and I shall be saved. Oh, well, sorry, the second part of Ephesians 2, 9, goes with 10, and it says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. You guys are frustrated with me. So how do we even know that we should listen to Jesus at all? Well, don't listen to me, but do listen to Jesus. And here's how we know. We read it today. Father Ryan just said, when Peter said of Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, the anointed one. If I knew who the son of the living God was, the anointed one, the God man, should we listen to him? The answer is yes. We should listen to him, right? Okay. So why am I rattling off all these BBS Bible verses? First of all, you guys couldn't quote them all. You didn't come back, so they, we're going to do it again. And uh, No, because why am I doing it? Because I want us to understand, before I talk about mystery in full, I want us to understand that you've got all you need. You've got all you need to, to walk with Jesus today. You know, the Reformers had a term for this. It was called the perspicuity of Scripture. There will be a quiz. The perspicuity of Scripture. Most of my closest friends are, are Presbyterian pastors. I went to a Presbyterian seminary, and they would laugh that I'm about to do this. But I'm going to quote from the Westminster Confession of Faith where it says, All things in Scripture are not alike plain in themselves. It would help if I could do like an accent, but I can't. Okay, all things in Scripture are not alike plain in themselves, nor alike clear unto all. Yet... Those things that are necessary to be known, believed, and observed for salvation are so clearly propounded and opened in some place of Scripture or another that not only the learned, but the unlearned, in a due use of ordinary means may attain unto a sufficient understanding of them. Have I made my point? You got enough. You know enough. Let me tell you this, though. I want you to know this. If you have successfully loved God, neighbor, and self fully, then definitely go to Father Ryan and Father Morgan and ask for additional assignments here in this church. Okay, so if if you've completely accomplished that, then it's time for you for bigger and better things. Let's move on. So, with all that summary, and of all that isn't a mystery as our foundation, St. Paul lays out a doozy of a mystery in verse 26, when he says, and in this way, all Israel will be saved. What could that possibly mean? And why did Father Morgan ask me to preach today? Think about that. All right, so <laughs> what could that possibly mean? Some of the early church fathers said all of them. All means all. What's all mean to you? It means everybody. Every Jewish person is going to be saved. Other, Jewish, uh, other early church fathers said, nah, you're, you're being overly literal. Theologians continued to disagree with, uh, throughout the Middle Ages, all the way up through the Reformation, about what this meant. The common Reformed view was that, that the church was, was the new Israel, and that was what represented Israel, which, I mean, is sort of plausible in some cases, but it isn't what the word means here at all. Uh, so it, it's hard to really put it to this text if you're going to put it other places. So, okay, so moment of truth. Look, you guys came today. This is awesome. You're gonna to get to hear this. Okay, moment. Here. Which view is the correct one? I don't know. Come back next week and Father Ryan will tell you which view is the correct one. No, so it's a cliffhanger. We should do this every week. We should have a cliffhanger every week. Okay? It's the part of the redemptive mystery that has not been fully revealed. That's why it's a mystery, right? Now I didn't say fully, because there is at least part of it that has been revealed. Okay, Paul says to us, he tells us why all Israel has, you know, has not been saved as of yet, but he doesn't tell us how they will be saved. And the reason why is because through their rejection of the gospel, St. Paul says, mercy of God is extended to us. So it, and unless you're a Jewish Christian out there, and most of us aren't, we're just Gentile Christians, right? We have benefited richly in some mysterious way by the Jewish church much of the early Jewish people rather rejecting the gospel we have received mercy because of Israel's disobedience now Paul says that same mercy in verse 29 he says is given to Israel irrevocably it's irrevocable through the covenants and it remains available to them to know God fully through faith in his promised Messiah Jesus Christ And what does that mean for us? It means that our job as Gentile Christians is to live in light of that mercy that has been shown to us. We're supposed to live in light of that mercy before all people, especially Jewish people, but not exclusively to Jewish people. In other words, we're not to act as though something that has been given to us is something that we have earned. Think about that for a second. All too often, we get this thing... And we have it for a while. And then we assume we deserved it. Is that right? Is that, does that ring true in the rest of your, our lives somewhere? We deserve it. We deserve certain things. That, because we've always had them. Well, that's not what the gospel is at all. Look, sometimes the world hates the church because of the cross of Christ, and Christ Jesus promised us that outcome, and uh, we shouldn't be surprised when that happens. Sometimes the world hates the church because of our faith. But sometimes the world hates the church because we're knuckleheads. That's from the that's from the Greek somewhere. <laughs> knuckleheads. Sorry? Right? We act like we're better than the rest of the world. That the things that were You know, that they struggle with, they struggle with. Those tax collectors over there struggle with, we don't struggle with. And instead of seeing our lack of drug addiction or, you know, bad attitude or brokenness, instead of seeing that in ourselves, we very easily see it in other people. What did our Lord Jesus Christ do when he looked over the lost? He wept. He cried over Jerusalem. He said, Oh, Jerusalem. Your life is so bad, and you brought this on yourself, but my heart is broken because of your sin. So that's what we're called to do with this mercy that has been given to us, this piece of this mystery that we do know. We're supposed to live in light of it, and we're supposed to explain to others what a gift this is. This is what we're called to do. So the rejection of the gospel became part of, of God's grace and mercy to the rest of us. This is how it's a mystery, and that leads us to our final point. When we see a Christian mystery, what are we supposed to do with it? So thus far we've seen that there's plenty of uh, mystery of God's redemptive plan that we know, most of it, and then we saw even a little bit of how what it means for all Israel will be, will be saved. Like a, we have a math teacher that like partial credit for the answer to that question, okay? And so what do we do then when we come up against a mystery, this part of this mystery? So it seems clear that the part of the mystery that we do understand, we need to obediently live our lives in light of that, right? Live out the part we do understand. We can't just throw away all of the mystery because we don't understand part of the mystery. In other words, we're to obey God's commands and be the people he has called us to be, right? But what about the parts of the mystery that we don't understand? St. Paul models this well for us in the remainder of this text. And, and Carol read it so well. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who, is no, who has known the mind of God? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. And what really is the closing doxology for the last three chapters of this book, St. Paul seems to suggest that there are parts of this mystery of Israel's redemption that hasn't been revealed even to him. So what does St. Paul do in response to his own lack of understanding? He glorifies God through a hymn of praise. God is God and we're not. And in doing so, he follows the example of the patriarch Job, who after all that he had suffered and lost is confronted by God, who says, who is this who enters my counsel? What do you, Job, know about the things that only God knows? And then Job got to listen to some things that only God knows. And Job responded in chapter 41 like this. He said, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Therefore, I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. You know, one of the best ways we can be sure that we are serving the God of the universe is when we reach the limits of our own understanding of who God is and how things work. You see, we are created in the image of God. We are the capstone of creation, according to the book of Genesis, according to, to the Bible, but we will never become gods. If you are serving yourself as God, you are making a mistake because your God is inadequate to save you. You can't save yourself. I can't save myself. So instead of going to this mystery and saying, "This Adam must be split. This mystery must be solved. What if instead we rested in the knowledge that God is God and we're not? That we have enough. We have all that we need to know how to love and serve God and one another. And to praise God then as a result of all that he has given us. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.